We're glad that you are here. We are in week six of our series, When Jesus Dropped the Mic. And we've been looking at Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And specifically, one section of that sermon called the Beatitudes. In the Beatitudes, Jesus makes these eight statements that are basically mic-dropping statements. I mean, he says, if you really want to know how to live, because remember, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and experience it to the full. So he's saying, if you really want to know how to live life to the full, if you want to max out this life that, that, that I've given you, then I want to show you how to be blessed. And the word blessing, or where it says, blessed are those who... That word blessed there is actually happiness. In other words, you're also, you're happy if you do this. There's a happiness, there's a joy that you can walk in. So he gives these eight statements and he attaches a blessing to each one of them. And these are called the Beatitudes. And today we're talking about the sixth one. We are in part six of our eight-part series. And today we're going to talk about the blessings of integrity. Everybody say integrity. integrity. You know, in this culture that we live in, everybody is obsessed with appearance, how you look. It's all about image. If I have a great image, I'm perceived as a great person. But see, God is not impressed with our image. God is not impressed with what we look like. He's interested in what's happening in here. God wants to know what's happening inside of you, what's happening in your heart. Matter of fact, there's a verse in 1 Samuel 16, 7 that says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at our heart. So today we're talking about the sixth beatitude, and it's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and it says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Now, what does that mean? First off, what does it mean when it says they will see God? Well, it means that when you're walking in purity of heart, you get to experience the presence of God. You get to feel the power of God. You get to know and understand the peace of God. There's a connection that happens to you in a powerful way. Now, what does it mean to be pure in heart? Because that's not an expression that we use a lot in our culture. We don't, we don't say, oh, well, you know, he's pure in heart or she's pure in heart. No, in our culture, the word for pure in heart is the word integrity. So if God blesses those who have integrity, what does it mean to have integrity? Well, it doesn't mean to be sinless. It doesn't mean to be perfect, because if you had to be perfect to have integrity, none of us would have it, right? Because none of us are perfect, all right? So it doesn't mean to be sinless or, in, or, or perfect. So what does it mean to have integrity? Well, the Bible says that Noah had integrity. The Bible says that Abraham had integrity, that David had it, Moses had integrity, Paul, the apostle, had integrity. Yet none of these guys were perfect. David, for example, David was a guy who blew it in so many ways. He messed up. I mean, he did some weird stuff. And God says, now here's a guy who's after my own heart. God says, this is a guy who's got a heart like mine. Can I just tell you, I want a heart like God's. I want you to have a heart like God's. That should be our prayer. I want us to be people of integrity. So let's take a second and, and as we get started and define what it means to be a person of integrity. If you've got your message notes, you may want to pull them out and follow along with this. The, the first meaning of integrity, you can write this down, is wholeness. Wholeness. It means that your life is not divided up into compartments or segments or little categories. Your life is whole. We get the word integrity from the word integer. And if you remember back to your high school days and you were studying math, uh, an integer is a whole number. 
It's, an integer means whole. And integrity means that your life is whole. Uh, uh, integer, uh, we, 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 you know, we say integer in math, it's, it's not a fraction. It's not a, it's not a part of a number. It's not a decimal. It's a whole number. Integer means whole. And so integrity means that your life is whole. We get the word int- integration from the word integer or integrity. Integration is the opposite of segregation. Segregation is to divide things up or to divide people up. Integration means we're all part of the same family. We don't all see the same. We don't all look the same or smell the same or act the same. We may not have the same background or the same skin color, but we are all one family. We are integrated. That's integration. That's a part of integrity. When you segregate your life, when you segregate your life, you don't have integrity. Many times you've heard me talk about how people kind of divide their life into segments. And I use the, the pie chart and say it's kind of like a pie chart. You know, and each slice of the pie represents a different part of your life. For example, you have the, the, this slice is my work life, and this slice is my, my social life, and this slice is my spiritual life, and over here is my friendship life. And then this, this is my secret life. This is my compulsions, my addictions, the things nobody else knows about. Now, if that's the way you look at your life, then it means that you're segregating your lives into groups and you're probably acting differently whenever you're in in one of those different slices. Integrity is about being whole. Integrity is about you being you, being the same no matter who you're with. You don't change. You don't wear a mask. It's about being whole. Second word that describes integrity, write this down, is the word authenticity. It means that you keep it real, that you're the real deal. You're not a fake. You're not a phony. You're not trying to pretend that you're something that you're not. If you have integrity, you act the same no matter where you are or who you're with. What you see is what you get. It's not like you're one way over here and another way over there. You're a person of integrity. All right? In ancient Greece, in the Greek theater, theater was a very, very big thing. And so they would have actors coming in. And because there usually was a lot of roles and that sort of thing, and they didn't have a lot of actors, actors would wear masks so they could play different characters. And so actors who played different characters, the Greek word for those was hypocrites. Guess what word we get for that, right? <laughs> That's where we get our word hypocrite. It comes from that, all right? What does it mean to be a hypocrite? It means that you're not the same with everybody. You're wearing a mask this is the exact opposite of integrity. You lack authenticity. Uh, integrity means you don't pretend to be something you're not. So integrity means to be whole. It means to be authentic. And then the third thing about integrity, it means unmixed motivation. Unmixed motivation. It means that you do the right thing for the right reasons. Unmixed motivation. It means you're sincere, you're straightforward, you're pure in heart. Pure in heart means you don't have a mixed motive. You do the right things for the right reasons. For example, when you pray, you can talk to God or you can pray to impress other people. One way is walking in integrity and the other, not so much. Integrity is what you are when no one is looking. Integrity is the way you act, the way you think, and what you do when you think no one will find out. That's the real you, integrity. 
See, we're more interested in image, but God is more interested in integrity. We're more interested in reputation, but God is more interested in character. Reputation is what everybody else thinks you are. Integrity is who you really are. It's who you are when you're alone with God. God blesses those who have integrity. They get to be close to God. Guys, I want you to find God's blessings. I want you to have the happiness that comes from integrity. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to do a couple of different things. First off, uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about some of the blessings that come from walking in integrity. In other words, God says that he's going to bless us. What kind of blessings can we expect if we're walking in integrity? And then after I do that, I want to give you just like a quick checklist of things that you can do to get you started in the path of integrity in your life and walking in integrity. All right, you guys ready? All right, turn to your neighbor and say, let's go. All right, so the first blessing brought by integrity, uh, you can write this down, is number one, personal confidence. You walk in a special confidence because you're not phony all the time. You aren't trying to remember what mask you're wearing or who, you know, for whoever you're hanging out with. That brings a confidence in your life. I, I love this picture of integrity found in Proverbs 10.9. It says, people with integrity have a firm footing but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall, Proverbs 10, 9. So when I'm walking in integrity, I know I have firm footing. I'm not having, you know, to put all my energy to keep me from falling. It's like the person who's telling lies, and they're always walking in fear because they've got to remember what lie they told what person in what circumstances, and they're trying to keep it all straight. They can't walk in confidence. Integrity gives you confidence. The Bible says in Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the honest keeps them on track. And it shows you the right way to go. See, when you have integrity in your life, it just gives you a personal confidence. Here's the second thing. It's a lasting legacy. A lasting legacy. If you think about your life, the greatest legacy in your life is integrity. It's something that can be passed on from generation to generation. Proverbs 20 says this, A righteous person lives on the basis of his integrity. Blessed are his children after he is gone. See, that integrity in your life, character in your life, is a lasting legacy for generations to come. Now listen, I know there's no such thing as a perfect parent. And some of you might say, well, you know what, Robert, I, I've made some bad choices. I haven't always had the best character. So I guess this blessing isn't for me. And I want to say something to you, which I believe prophetically. I want to speak prophetically to you. And that is, is that your story is not over yet. Your story is not over yet. No matter what you've done or where you've been, it really doesn't matter. What matters is where your feet are headed now what direction you're going in now, you can still have integrity in your life. I was thinking this weekend about the story of a guy named Job in the Bible. He was a guy who had everything and then lost it all. And his life became this huge struggle. But Job purposed in his heart that no matter what was happening in his life, no matter what was going on in his life, he was going to walk in integrity. And in Job 8, 5-7, one of his friends given this advice, and this is what they say. If you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty, if you are pure and live with complete what? God will rise up and restore your happy home. And though you started with little, you will end with much. And that's exactly what happened. 
as Job walked in integrity through a very, very difficult time. And because of that, God blessed him, and he wound up being even more blessed in the end. Now, some of you that are here today, and you've been going through some tough times. Maybe you've been doing some things. Maybe you've even lost your integrity. And because of that loss, you start thinking, well, what does it matter? I've already blown it anyway. I might as well just keep blowing it. And I'll say to you again, man, your story is not over. God has still got things that he wants to do in your life. He can still meet you in this moment if you purpose in your heart to let him be a part of your story. He wants to do that. And he wants to, he wants to, he wants to lead you in that. And so remember that your greatest integrity might be born in the toughest of times. And people are watching you. And they're watching how you respond in these moments. And if you respond with integrity, you can show them this is the way we deal with struggles. We do it with integrity. It's a lasting legacy that you can leave on and pass on. So the blessings are you know, a personal confidence, a lasting legacy. Here's the last one, number three. It's rewards in eternity. Now, this is a great one because it's one that lasts forever. In Matthew 25, 21, look at what the Bible says about this. It says that God will say, well done, you are a good and trusted servant. And because you were faithful with the small things, I'll put you in charge of much greater things. Come share your master's happiness. Now I want you to notice two words there, small things. Guys, that's where the rewards are. The rewards are found in the small things. We think the rewards are in the big moments of life. No, man. The truth is it's easier to have integrity in the big moments because everybody's watching us. But it's the small things that show your integrity. Remember, integrity is what you are when no one is looking. So what kind of integrity do you have? in the small things. Now, we could probably all look at our life, and the truth is, man, we, if we did an examination of our life, we could all probably look at things and say, this is where I failed, this is where I messed up. You know, and we could keep a, uh, you know, a, we could tabulate all those failures. You know, but let's take those t- failures and instead put them on the forgiven side of the ledger, right? Because as believers of Christ, we walk in forgiveness, I want to remind you, that this, and this verse reminds you, there's another side of this ledger. And when you choose to have faith, when you choose to have integrity in the small things, then that's on the reward side of the ledger. Every small thing you do, every small word of encouragement that you give to somebody this next week, it's rewarded eternally. Every small act of kindness that you do, for somebody, will be rewarded in eternity. Every time you resist the temptation, every time you pray with just even a, a small bit of faith, that's rewarded in eternity. That's the power of integrity. That's the difference integrity makes, not just here, but forever. That's the blessing of integrity. So if those are the rewards, the question's got to be is, how do we get it? How do we get that? How do we get integrity in our lives? Well, in Psalm 51, David talks about this specifically. He gives us some of the characteristics of what it means to walk in integrity. Let me just read it to you. Psalm 51, verses 1 through 5. He says, Lord, who may stay in your sanctuary and live in your holy mountain? What's he talking about here? This is a metaphor. He's asking, God, who gets to be close to you? 
God, who is it that, that gets to experience your power? Who gets to understand your, your peace? Who gets to live in your presence? Who, begins to, who gets to live out your purpose? God, who gets to be your friend? You know, that's what he's asking. Who may stay in your sanctuary and live on your holy mountain? Here's the, here's the answer. The person who walks with what? Integrity. integrity. Then he starts giving the characteristics of a person who walks in integrity. He speaks the truth from the heart. You don't lie if you have integrity. He refuses to slander others with his tongues. Whoa, man. When you slander somebody, for whatever reason, you've lost your integrity. He won't listen to gossip. I'm meddling now. I know, right? Right? Not only are we not to share it, we're not even to listen to it. It says he will not cast a a slur on his fellow man. Instead, he honors those who fear the Lord. He keeps his promises even when it hurts. He lends his money freely without charging interest. In other words, he's generous. That's a mark of integrity. He cannot be bribed by money. And whoever does these things will never be shaken. It's powerful. You want security in your life? You want to get rid of insecurity? Walk in integrity. You want stability? Get integrity in your life. You want confidence? Get integrity in your life. A person of integrity walks securely. So I want to just take it and give you really quickly a, a checklist, six ways to develop integrity in your life. This is how you do it. All right? You become a person of integrity by, here's the first one, number one, by keeping your promises Keeping your promises. People of integrity keep their word. If they say they're going to do something, they can, they're going to do it. If they say, hey, you can count on that, you can count on it. Because they're people of integrity and they keep their promises. Now this is verbal integrity. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty five fourteen, people who promise things they never give are like clouds and wind that bring no rain. I love the Bible. And in other words, they're worthless. They're just a bunch of hot air. They're just empty clouds. There's vapor. There's nothing to them. They're just a bunch of wind. They don't bring rain. They're empty. So the question is, what promises have you made that you haven't kept and you need to keep them for integrity's sake? What promises have you made to your kids? Did you know that broken promises are the number one cause of bitterness in children? The number one cause of bitterness Broken promises that children have made. But, but Dad, you promised. But Mom, you promised and you break a promise. Have you made a promise to your spouse where you said you were going to do something or change something and you haven't done it? That's a broken promise. Have you made a promise, a spiritual promise or a vow to God and haven't kept it? It's the lack of integrity. If you make a promise, you got to keep your word, even if it's not beneficial to you. Psalm 15.4, God blesses the one who walks with integrity, who keeps his promise even when it hurts, and even if it costs you more than you think it's going to cost you. Well, I said I would sell it for this, so even though I found out it's really worth this, I'm going to sell it for this because I said I would. That's integrity. That's integrity. You keep your promises even when it hurts. So that's the first one, by keeping your promises. Here's the second one. You can know you are a person of integrity or you become a person of integrity by, number two, paying your bills. <laughs> now, you may not think that this is a big deal, but this is a big deal to God. 
This is financial integrity. And the Bible says over and over and over again that the way you use your money is a test of integrity. Do you spend more money than you make? It's a lack of integrity. Do you get yourself in debt that you can't possibly pay off? That's a lack of integrity. The Bible says people of integrity pay their bills. They keep their promises financially. Now let me just show you a couple of things. First, don't default on your loans and pay off your credit cards. Psalm 37, 21 says, The wicked borrows and never pays back. Not only that, and this is, of course, really meddling. Uh, some of, the, some of the, This is going to get a little personal here, but you don't defraud the government of taxes. <laughs> yeah, I knew there'd be a groan or two there. The Bible says in Romans 13, 6-7, The authorities are working for God. Pay what you owe them. Pay your personal and property taxes. And you say, Robert, the government is wasting my money. Sure they are. They are, right? The government lacks integrity because they're spending far more than they're taking in. This is deficit spending. But see, you don't get to do that if you have integrity. What they do with my taxes, man, they're going to they're be accountable before God for that but I'm accountable to pay my taxes and not cheat on them. Because if I cheat on my taxes, I lack integrity. All right? The Bible says don't do that. All right? Don't do that. You become a person of integrity. Everybody all right? (laughs) Oh, I guess had that deer in the headlight look for about a second there. I was like, all right, all right. It just gets worse from here now. All right? You remember me? All right. You become a person of integrity by keeping your promises, paying your bills, and this, this third one, man, this is really meddling. By refusing to gossip. This is relational integrity. You don't talk one way in front of a person and another way behind their back. If you flatter somebody to their face, but you talk differently about them when they're not around, if you say one thing here and another thing there and you gossip, the Bible says you lack integrity. You don't have it. You're going to find yourself missing out on some of the happiness that God wants to have in your life. You're going to miss out on that blessing. You're going to miss out on the full life that he really intends for you if you gossip. Listen to me. Even, and this is a big one. Listen to this. Everybody with me? In fact, everybody look at me for a second. Even if you listen to gossip. Amen, Robert. Amen, Pastor. (laughs) Glory to God. That's right. right. Did you know that accepting stolen goods gets the same criminal indictment as if you stole them yourself? Same way with gossip. Accepting gossip is the same thing as offering it up. It's still wrong. Every time you gossip, every time you listen to gossip, you lose integrity. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven thirteen, a gossip can't be trusted with a secret, but someone of integrity won't violate a confidence. Proverbs 10, 18, it's not on your screen, but it says anyone who spreads gossip is a fool. It's a foolish, destructive thing to do. Integrity is developed by keeping your promises, by paying your bills, by refusing to gossip, by number four, by faithfully tithing. Did you know that the Bible says that tithing is a test of integrity? One of the ways God tests my integrity is through tithing. Do I trust God with my finances? Do I put him first? See, wherever you put your money first is what's most important to you. I tell people all the time, you, you know, if you'll show me your debit card receipts, nobody ever does, but I say, if you do, 
I can tell you what's important to you in your life. Because how we spend our money shows us what, where we're putting first in our life. Wherever you put your money first is what's important to you. The Bible says that tithing is a test of integrity. Because Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. Right? So you'll always know what's important to people by the way they spend their money. Here's what God says about this in Malachi 3. And by the way, let me just say this about tithing. Dickie and I have tried it both ways. When we first became a Christian, we weren't so sure about it. Money was tight. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. And, man, we would say, okay, we're just not going to tithe. And, and sure enough, man, things were just tough. It was difficult. But Malachi 3 is a very powerful passage. Malachi's writing says, is it right for a person to cheat God? Of course not. Yet you are robbing me, says the Lord. How, you ask? By withholding your full tithes and offerings. Bring to me the full amount of your tithe to my house, the church. Put me to the test. By the way, this is the only place in the Bible you see this phrase. Put me to the test, and you will see that I will open the window of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you won't even have uh, room, enough room to receive it all. It's a test. Now listen, I'm not suggesting to you that you give to get. I'm suggesting to you that the principle is you put God first. You put God first in everything. I tell you all the time, you put God first in your tithe. You put God first in your time. When you start your day, give God the very first part of your day. Say, God, this is part of you. We meet together on the first part of the week. We've tried to take a look at everything we do and put God first. And when God is first he blesses the rest. He just does. All right? All right? So in this passage, it's God saying, I dare you. I dare you. Trust me on this. Trust me on you. I dare you to do it. Do you put integrity by putting God first in your finances? So you become a person of integrity by keeping your promises, paying your bills, refusing the gospel, faithfully tithing, and then number five, by doing your best at work. This is business integrity or vocational integrity. Having integrity where you work. Do you do your best at work or do you goof off when no one is looking? Some people only work hard when the boss is around. You know what I'm saying? And you just see that sometimes, right? That was an unfortunate amen, right? Some people, man, they only goof off when the boss isn't, isn't around, you know, and, and the rest of the time they're taking it easy. They're standing by the water cooler and gossiping and telling stories. They're playing solitaire on the company computer. You know, they're taking home supplies from work to their house, right? They're taking extra breaks. They come in late if they think they can get away with it and the boss won't know. See, you may not have ever realized what a serious thing God considers this. For, for this idea for you to not do a full day's work when you're being paid for a full day's wage. You don't have the right to goof off. You say, well, Robert, everybody in my workplace is slacking off. Nobody works hard in my office. So what? Maybe they're not a Christ follower. Maybe they don't care about integrity. But see, you do. You do. So whether they work hard or not is irrelevant. Now let me show you a couple of verses about this. Uh, Proverbs 18.9 says this, Slack habits and sloppy work are as bad as vandalism. That's strong, isn't it? It's strong. 
That's what God says. If you're goofing off and you do poor work and, you know, and you're saying, oh, that's good enough, nobody's going to notice. God says, no, that's like vandalism. The Living Bible version of the same verse, listen to this, a lazy employee is destructive as a saboteur. Wow, it's deep. He's saying, if I'm not giving a full day's work for a full day's wage, even if I don't like my job, it doesn't matter if you hate your job or not. It says I'm actually vandalizing. I'm sabotaging someone else's business. If I don't give my best, then I lack integrity. Ephesians 6, 6, don't work hard only when your master, that's your supervisor, your boss, don't, don't work hard only when your master is watching and then shirk when he isn't looking. Work hard, work with gladness, that's enthusiasm, all the time, even if you hate your job, as though you're working for Christ, doing the will of God with all your heart. See, if you're a follower of Christ, your boss isn't your boss. Your real boss is God. That's who you're working for. And whether anybody else sees it or not, right? Uh, and you're saying, you know, nobody's going to ever see my work. God does. God does. He's your boss. It's a test of integrity. Colossians 3.22 says, don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Do your best. Colossians 3.23, work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. That's a mark of integrity. Can you imagine how the world would change if every believer, every person who's a follower of Christ said, I'm going to go in and I'm going to start working this week with integrity. You know what would happen? Before long, people would say, you know who I, who I prefer to hire is Christians because they come in, nobody works better than they do. You can't trust anybody more than you can trust them. They're going to work hard. They're going to work cheerfully. They're going to give it their best effort. You know, they're not going to come in and say, well, that's good enough for government work. No, they're going to... They're gonna, they're going to be there. They're going to be committed. They put in the extra effort. They're honest. They don't cheat. They're not lazy. They work hard. What kind of witness would it be to the world if that's the people that we were? All right, let me give you one more. This is number six. This is our last one. You become a person of integrity by number six, by being real with others. By being real with others. All right? You don't fake it. You're authentic. You're genuine. You're not a hypocrite. You don't act one way in church and another way at work and another way out on the golf course, another way when you're shooting hoops with somebody. You're just who you are. You're always the same. You are you. And by the way, who else would you want to be? You are uniquely made. There is nobody on the planet like you. I mean, really, nobody. No, but there's no other person that has your unique gifts and temperament and all of those things. Nowhere. You are a unique person. You need to be that person. You need to live that out. And you need to be that person in every different area of your life. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, that's who you want to be. You're always the same. You're not perfect. You're not sinless. It's not that you don't make mistakes. You do make mistakes. But your heart and is in the right direction. And you're real with other people. You're not a phony. You're not a fake. You're not trying to be something that you're really not. 2 Corinthians 4.2 says this, We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. We don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. In other words, we don't look at a scripture and says, you know, I think it means this because we don't like what it really says. Right? We don't do that. 
Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. Man, our life is an open book. You're authentic. What you see is what you get. You're living with integrity. You're more concerned with integrity than image. So let me ask you this. In a world where everyone is consumed with appearance and image, how do we do the right thing when so many other people are faking it? How in the world do we just kind of keep it real? Well, there's only one way. You've got to care more about God's approval than you care about the approval of other people. That's the only way you're going to become a person of integrity. Because if you care what God thinks, then you're going to do the right thing. If you care what the world thinks, you're going to find yourself messing up more and more and, uh, again and again. You have to care more about God's approval than the approval of others. Now the truth is, I know this is one of those messages, it's kind of a, a tough message. And when I go through this checklist myself, and I look at these six things, it's easy for me to kind of go through the checklist and go, fail, fail, fail. I've blown it here. I've messed up. It's easy for us to do. We're probably all that way because we all blow it, right? We all mess up. Come on, do we? We do. That's why St. Augustine said this. He said, the confession of bad works is the beginning of good works. I like that. So if there are things that convicted your heart today, as we went through this, if there's some things, little places where God convicted your heart, the next step, if you want to be a person of integrity, is owning up to it. God, I've blown it. We've messed up. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your leadership to turn things around. So would you bow your heads with me? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you're looking at your life and you say, yes, there's some areas in my life where I've blown it. I've messed up. And I need God's mercy. I need his grace today. I need his leadership. If that's you, and you would say, Robert, that's me. Can I just pray for you this morning? If that's you, could I just see your hand? No one's looking around. I've got some areas that really, this really spoke to me today. There's some areas in my life. Thank you. Thank you. God sees those hands. You can put them down now. I want to say to you as I pray that your story is not over yet. Your life can turn around. The best days of your life can be the next days of your life. You can turn them around at this point. You can live out the life that God has called for you to live. And you can make a difference with your life. You can have the life that God really intends for you to live out. So Lord, I pray for every person here that raised their hands. I thank you for your great love and your mercy, your grace the leadership that you want to give them in their life. I thank you, Lord, that, that you see them, that you know the real them. And I thank you, Lord, that as they turn to you, that you're going to bless them with that ability to walk in integrity. And as they walk in integrity, Lord, they're going to find happiness. They're going to find strength. doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfectly or things will never mess up or you won't walk through any difficult times. It just means that you're going to find a joy to face even when the storms of life come. Speaking of storms of life, I just want to pray for anybody that would, might say, hey, Robert, right now I'm going through a storm in my personal life. 
I just really feel led to do this. If you say, Robert, that's me. I'm going through a storm in my life right now. Very difficult time. Could you just pray for me? Could I just see your hands? Going through a storm. It's a difficult time. Would you pray for me? Lord, I thank you for everyone who is so honest in raising their hands. Father, I don't know the storms. I don't know what they're going through. But Lord, I know you do. You know each of us so intimately, so perfectly, that you say you even know the hairs on our head. Father, I thank you for each person here, that you know what's going on in their life. And Father, I know that it's your great desire to walk with them through it. Would you, if you raised your hand, would you just take a second and invite God into your storm? Whatever storm you're going through, would you just say to him, God, I need you in this. I don't want to face it alone. I don't want to do it by myself. It's just too hard. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. But God, I know you do. Would you help me? Would you be with me? Would you be the calm in my storm? Father, I thank you for each person that prayed that prayer. And I know that you're going to meet them right here in the midst of this right now. And I do believe that as you face that storm, God's going to give you the strength and the courage to walk through it, to get to the other side. He's going to give you leadership. He's going to lead you through. And you're going to walk through it. You're not going to go around it or under it or over it. You're going to walk through it. And you're going to walk through it even in the midst of a tough situation, you're going to walk through it with a joy because God is with you in this moment. One last thing. If you're here today and you say, Robert, you know, I don't know that I've ever invited Jesus to come in and be the Lord of my life. This is your moment. If you're here and you say, I've never asked him to come in and be the Lord of my life. I want to ask Jesus to come in and save me. Live in my heart. Be the Lord of my life in this moment. If that's you, and you say, Robert, would you, would you pray for me? Could I just see your hand? Just wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I want to just lead you in a prayer right now, right where you are. If you raised your hand, would you just pray this along with me? Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. In other words, take control. Father, I yield my heart to you. I ask you to forgive me for my past, the things where I've made mistakes, the places I've messed up. Lead me into the future that you have for me. As best as I know how, I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just give God a hand? If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I just ask you, if you would, fill out one of the blue cards and just say, hey, I, I prayed that prayer with you. And if you'll take that blue card and take it to our information desk, we've got a little booklet that we'd love to put in your hands called Now What? It's just kind of a next step type book, and there's some great information there 
uh, for you. So here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is this week that in all that you'll do, that you'll say, you know what? I'm going to be this person that God has named me to be. And I'm going to be me wherever I go. I'm going to be who God created me to be. I'm going to live out my life as the person that God desires me to be. I'm going to follow his plan. I'm going to seek after him. And I'm going to make those decisions to live the life that he has for me. And as you do that, you're going to find a blessing. You're going to find a huge happiness. Amen? Amen. Next week, we're continuing in our series. It's going to be so important. Listen, do not miss this next week. And if you can think of somebody to bring with you, bring them. I'm going to talk about how to repair a broken relationship. I think probably all of us have relationships where we go, man, I wish this relationship could be fixed, if there was a way to repair this. There's a biblical way, and we're going to talk about it out of that seventh beatitude. That's going to be happening uh, next week. Uh, also, want to let you know that um, Men's Fight Club is this coming Saturday. Uh, we're meeting at the Bistro 98 restaurant at 9 a.m. would love for you to come and be a part of that. One last quick announcement. Uh, growth track will be today at 2 p.m. We've revamped our growth track yet again. It's constantly evolving and changing, and it's a lot of the same information, but it's packaged a little bit differently. It's now just in two classes. So you can take one, and then you can do the second one. Today we're going to do uh, the first part of two. Today's a great opportunity to come in and just give us a chance to have a relaxed setting where we get to know each other a little bit. We'll talk to you about the vision of Coast and what we're all about and give you an opportunity if you're interested in finding out what it means to be a member or if you'd like to sign the membership covenant and be a part of that. That happens today. The class lasts about an hour and a half. There is a sign-up sheet in the foyer, and this is really important. If you're going to come, be sure and sign up in the foyer because we've got to know how many people to be prepared for. But that'll be at 2 o'clock right here at the church, and we'd love for you to come back and be a part of that. All right, I want to pray one more prayer, prayer of blessing as you go. If you would, raise your hands with me. Father, thank you for every person that's here. We pray that you bless them this week. Pour your spirit out upon them. Give them wisdom in all that they do. They would walk with wisdom according to your word. Father, I pray that your anointing would be upon their life. I pray that you would give them favor in the eyes of every person that they come in contact with. And Father, I pray that you would give them divine opportunities that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless.